This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 10, Breathe Your Way to a Better Life. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Stand with Lynette podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today to talk about how breath can literally change our lives and help us to be more present. As you may know, if you've been listening for the past couple of weeks, we are focusing on some self-care fundamentals, or as I like to call them, fundies. For the next few weeks, we have thus far talked about how we eat and how that plays into our self-care routines and actually how we feel spiritually as well. And we have talked about sleeping and movement and how those things play into self-care and our spirits. And today we're going to add upon that by talking about how our breath affects our self-care routines and our spirits, as well as how we can use breath to help us stay present. Breath is actually the bridge between the body and the mind. And we are going to address self-care fundamentals that affect body, mind, and spirit. But before we get there for today, I would like to read the review of the week. This review is from K.D. Babs, and she says, I'm so excited for more. I've been praying to see, feel, and hear him more. To be surrounded by like-minded women truly converted to standing strong. This podcast has already helped me feel that today, shedding hope and light. I am soaking up as much light as I can find at this time in the world and so happy to have another resource to add. Excited for more. Well, thank you, KD Babs. I am so excited that you are here listening. And for all of you who are here listening, I am grateful for you. I am grateful for all the reviews that have come in so far. I'm grateful for you sharing this podcast episodes or just the podcast as a whole with your friends and helping me to spread the word. And that really helps me to find people, more people who I can help. So thank you. And for this review, KD Babs, contact me via DM on Instagram. You can contact me via email, which you can also find in my Instagram bio. You can contact me via a contact form on my website. Let me know that I shared your review on the air and I would be happy to send you a little gift as a thank you. And if you would like to have your review featured on the air and in return, get a thank you gift from me, just leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell me your biggest takeaway so far or how this is helping you in your life, how the podcast is helping you in your life. And if I share your review on the air, I will send you a gift if you contact me and let me know that that was your review. So thank you again for all those reviews. Please keep them coming. All right, my friends, let's dive into today's topic. Did you realize that the average human can survive between one and three months without food, up to seven days without water, but only a few minutes without air? 
Breath is therefore one of the very fundamental forces keeping us alive. But if you were like I was for most of my life, you rarely even think about breathing because your body does all the work for you automatically. But did you know that the respiratory system is the only body system we can control both unconsciously and consciously? We cannot control our heartbeat, our digestion, our kidneys, or how our brains communicate with our bodies and our nerves. But we can breathe without thinking. Thank you, amazing brain. And we can purposefully control our breath. We can breathe on purpose. Perhaps this is because breath is a powerful tool that we can use to calm our bodies, manage stress, and learn to live in the present. I first discovered the power of breath when I was preparing for the birth of my first child. I wholeheartedly believe that modern medicine is a great blessing and was planning on taking full advantage of that blessing with an epidural during childbirth. Greg and I took some prenatal classes at the hospital where we were going to give birth, and they taught us a bit of Lamaze breathing. I thought the breathing techniques were silly, and I was not going to need them anyways because I was planning on having an epidural, so I refused to practice them outside of class. Greg kept trying to get me to do it. He kept encouraging me to try the breathing, and I kept shooting him down because I felt so ridiculous and I was not going to need it anyway, so it didn't matter. When it finally was time for us to go to the hospital and have this baby, I arrived ready for an epidural. The anesthesiologist got everything situated and the pain relief was absolutely heaven sent. I was so grateful for the relief of that epidural. But then out of nowhere, I started feeling the most intense pain I had ever felt in my life. One minute, I felt nothing. The epidural was magical. And then the next minute, I felt the pain of being dilated nine centimeters and going through a transition. The epidural catheter had pulled out of my back somehow, and I was no longer getting any of the benefits of the medication. To say I was caught off guard would be the understatement of the year. I had not worked up to this level of pain and my breath was the first thing to go. I was, I was breathing so fast and so shallow in an attempt to manage the pain like I had never felt before that the muscles in my hands entirely seized up. They were not responding when I tried to open my clenched fists. They were just stuck in this clenched position. The nurse looked at me and said, try to take slow, deep breaths. And then she turned to my husband, Greg, and she instructed him to help me breathe while she called the anesthesiologist. Greg was probably thinking, she should have listened to me when I told her to practice those Lamaze breathing techniques. But to his eternal credit, he kept that thought to himself and did not bring it up when I was in this condition. With his help, I inhaled slowly and deeply through my nose with each contraction. Then I slowly exhaled and I started again. Those slow, deep breaths brought me back to the present and helped me to manage my pain without losing control of my body. Within a matter of minutes, I could feel my hands again. They were no longer clenched in fists. They were not numb or tingling. I could move them around. And finally, mercifully, 
the anesthesiologist came back and fixed my epidural so I was able to relax and enjoy the birth of my son. That experience made me appreciate modern medicine all the more, but it also dramatically taught me the transformative power of breath. And just as a little side note, I had a similar experience with the birth of my third child, which I will not get into here, but I was so grateful I had learned how to slow my breathing even amid intense pain and stress because it came in handy again. You would think that epidural problems would only happen once with one person, but no, I continued to have them. But I did learn that breath is the bridge between the body and the mind. No matter the circumstances, it can help us stay calm and grounded and present. To understand why breath can be so powerful, let's take a look at two different branches of the nervous system that involve breath, the sympathetic branch and the parasympathetic branch. We're going to have a quick biology lesson, but stick with me. All this stuff is going to help you better understand why this works. The sympathetic nervous system is responsible for keeping us safe in dangerous situations. This is what controls our fight or flight response and prepares our body to confront danger. When we are in this state, our heartbeat quickens and our breath becomes shallow and restricted. The stress we feel while in fight or flight is necessary to keep us safe from danger and alive in dangerous circumstances, but sometimes the sympathetic nervous system becomes overactive and we live in a state of near constant stress and anxiety, and as a result of that, our breath stays shallow and its healing powers are restricted. The parasympathetic nervous system, on the other hand, puts our bodies into a state of rest and digest. In this state, our heartbeat slows, as does our breathing. Our stress hormones relax and our breath becomes deeper and more open. And as a result, we feel calm and peaceful. So sympathetic, S is for sympathetic, S is for stress. Sympathetic kicks in when we are stressed. This is how I remember it. Parasympathetic starts with P. Peace starts with P. The parasympathetic nervous system helps us to feel peaceful and calm. Both the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are necessary, but we want to learn how to live a majority of our time in the rest and digest state so that we will feel more peace and more joy. This is the state where our bodies function most efficiently, and this is a state where we feel the best. But how do we do that? For starters, we breathe, but not just any breathing. We want to aim for controlled and mindful breathing. Mindful breathing calms the sympathetic nervous system and helps us relax and get into that parasympathetic state. And it is characterized by deliberate, deep, measured breaths, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, and bringing from, breathing from the belly. Mindful breathing is not unconscious. This is not the kind of breathing that our body does automatically for us. It is not breathing through the mouth and it is not breathing from the chest. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Can I breathe out of my mouth? I'm a mouth breather. Why is mouth breathing a problem? Well, in short, yes, we can breathe through our mouth. That is actually easier 
but it is also much less efficient. Our noses provide the optimal environment for air to enter our body. When we breathe through our nose, that air is filtered through tiny hairs that remove contaminants and it warms the air before it reaches our lungs. Breathing through the nose also allows us to breathe much deeper than mouth breathing, thus giving us more life-giving oxygen, which the lungs then pump throughout the rest of our body. Nasal breathing also activates our lower lungs, which are filled with parasympathetic nerve receptors. These receptors help us to move into the rest and digest state that is governed by the parasympathetic nervous system. Mouth breathing often results in short, shallow breaths that trigger the fight or flight response from the sympathetic nervous system. Mouth breathing is what most people do when they're not thinking about it. But breathing in this manner often results in an imbalance in the blood's oxygen carbon dioxide ratio, which can lead to dizziness and even in some cases, fainting. Similarly, breathing from the belly is what we want rather than breathing from the chest. And this is because breathing from the belly allows for deeper, fuller breaths that engage the parasympathetic nervous system. This lowers the hormone cortisol, which is one of our stress hormones, and lowering cortisol results in decreased heart rate and blood pressure along with reduced levels of stress. Okay, that's all the biology we're going to talk about. I hope you're still with me. Now we're going to talk about why this biology matters. What does it look like in practice to move from that sympathetic stress response into the parasympathetic, more peace-based response? So one of my daughters struggles with a lot of anxiety, and she has experienced her share of panic attacks over the years. When she is escalating toward a panic attack, she starts to hyperventilate, after which things start to spiral out of control at an alarming rate. When in this acute situation, slow, deep breaths are the quickest way to get her back to homeostasis. When I see her emotions getting the best of her, I will put my hands on her shoulders, look into her eyes, and tell her to breathe with me. Often, she will resist with expressions like, it won't help, this is not what I need, but it does. It does help every single time it helps. With each deep, nourishing breath, her heart rate slows and she is one step closer to feeling like herself again. According to Jim Lower in his book, Breathe In, Breathe Out, the key to emotional control is breath control. Breath control is the ultimate weapon. It is the simplest, safest, cheapest, most accessible handle there is for mastering emotional control, for recharging the ideal performance state in response to problems, for staying in control, for becoming a peak performer. Breath control is the force that leads to the emotional control that leads leads to the winning feat, close quotes. Beyond emotional control, mindful breathing helps with stress management and focus and brings a general feeling of peace and well-being. To make it even more meaningful, while you're practicing this breath control, this mindful breathing, consider pairing your breath with a mantra or a meaningful phrase, such as these two that I learned from Brooke Snow. Everything is as it should be, 
or I love and accept you, Lynette, or in your case, I love and accept you, fill in the blank with whatever your name is. If neither of those mantras resonate with you, feel free to choose your own that you can use in moments of stress. Now, let me demonstrate how this works. Sit in a comfortable position, ideally. Sometimes I do this on the go. You can do it on the go. It's more effective if you can sit in a comfortable position, hands either resting on your diaphragm or palms up in your lap. And with each inhale and each exhale, repeat the mantra in your mind. Inhale through your nose. Everything is as it should be. And then exhale through your nose. Everything is as it should be. Or you can inhale and say, I love and accept you, Lynette. And then exhale. I love and accept you, Lynette, or whatever other mantra you choose. Repeat it with each inhale and with each exhale. Again, inhaling and exhaling through the nose into the belly. And keep repeating it until you feel sufficiently calm, until you can feel your stress levels decrease. Again, this also works really well if you're trying to help your kids learn to calm down. You can breathe with them. You can use these mantras, teach them these mantras, help them to learn to use their breath to calm themselves down. Repeating a mantra with breath was my very first introduction to the world of meditation. At that time, I had been listening to the Brooke Snow podcast for a couple of years and had often heard her talk about how meditation had changed her life in so many ways. The idea sounded intriguing, but not enough for me to make the jump into an unfamiliar practice that honestly felt a little out there, a little woo-woo. But one day, a friend confided in me that she had been struggling with a lifelong battle with mental illness. And the morning that she talked to me about this, I had just listened to Brooke on her podcast tell her story about how meditation had transformed her mental health. With that idea fresh in my mind, I asked my friend if she wanted to sign up for Brooke's 40-day meditation challenge with me. She accepted, and we both enrolled. As part of that challenge, I spent at least five minutes every day repeating the mantra, I love and accept you, Lynette, in my mind with each inhale and each exhale. As I got further into the challenge, I added other components to my meditation, such as visualization and gratitude. Today, after practicing, having practiced meditation for the past year and a half, I can say that I do not want to go back to life before meditation. It no longer feels strange or woo-woo. It feels purposeful and life-giving. It has given me a pathway to calm my typically chaotic mind. On any given moment throughout any given day, my mind is always cluttered with a million intersecting thoughts and ideas. It's never still. Very rarely, I guess, is it ever still. And meditation has helped me to learn to calm that chaos even for a few minutes a day, which is very beneficial. It has given me a pathway to connect with my true self, to converse with God in a higher, more focused way, and with his help to create the life that I want to live. One thing meditation has taught me is how to pull my mind back to the present. 
while meditating, it is easy for me to allow my mind to wander and explore pathways that take me away from the here and now. Sometimes I catch myself thinking about what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Sometimes I catch myself thinking about things that have happened in the past or jumping forward and wondering what's going to happen into the future. In the future, I have gotten better about noticing when my mind starts to wander and pulling it back to the present. This has happened through meditation, through practicing meditation. And I can do this even faster when I'm focusing on my breath. Breath grounds us and it connects us to our bodies where we can live in the moment. The present is where life is truly lived. We never get the guarantee of breath beyond this current moment. I learned that firsthand just a few weeks ago when my nine-year-old nephew went to bed healthy one night and never woke up again for no apparent reason. Just this week, 19 elementary school kids and two teachers were killed in Texas in yet another school shooting. And that is, of course, in addition to all of the other people worldwide whose lives have been changed in an instant through the death of a loved one. With our mortal vision coupled with the fragility of life, we will never know what tomorrow may bring. The present is the only guarantee we have. So why is it so easy to ignore it in favor of either the past or the future? The past is where regret often lives. Sometimes it is a place where happiness resides in the so-called best days of our lives. Either way, if we choose to live in the past, depression is often the result. The future is where anxiety lives. It is where all the what-ifs and worst-case scenarios live. Or perhaps it's the big break, the unmet goal, the best is yet to come, often at the expense of what actually is. This is not to say that we should not spend any time thinking about the past or the future. I love what Thomas S. Monson has to say about this. He said, the past is behind, learn from it. The future is ahead, prepare for it. The present is here, live in it. If we never think about the past, we will not learn the lessons that it has to teach us or appreciate how far we have come. And if we never think about the future, we may not be prepared to greet it. The past and the future meet in the present. The past gives us perspective. The future gives us hope. The present gives us power. One of God's attributes is his ability to be omnipresent. That means that past, present, and future are before him as one eternal now. So the present belongs to God. It is his time. How much more power do we gain in our lives when we can live in God's time, in the present? We gain the power to receive inspiration and direction from the Lord. That only comes to us in the present moment. We gain the power to feel peace right now, accepting what is sandwiched between what could have been and what might be. We gain the power to act. We gain the power to build relationships. We gain the power to enjoy a fullness of emotion. We gain the power to tune into our physical senses and appreciate all the beauty that accompanies them. We gain the power to see things as they really are, unclouded by past or future events. We gain the power to create a life we love, one small decision at a time. 
While some people are naturally wired to live moment to moment, most of us need to train our brains to stay present. Now, I'm going to teach you a couple of tools that have helped me learn to do this and will hopefully help you as well. The first one is called Flip the Switch, and this is a short meditation that you can use at any time when you notice that you are living outside of your true present self. Maybe you're worried about the future. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you're depressed about something in the past. Anything that takes you out of the here and now, when you notice that, you can do this quick meditation called flip the switch. And this is how it goes. Sit with a straight back and close your eyes. Place your hands, palms up on your lap. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And as you do so, imagine that you are inhaling light, love, peace, and openness. And then exhale through the nose. And when you are exhaling, imagine that you are breathing out darkness, fear, worry, regret, false patterns, false beliefs, anything that's getting in the way of you being present at that very moment. And then you repeat it three or four times, however many times it takes for you to kind of get back into your body, into the present. If you are ever in a place where closing your eyes is not feasible, you can totally do this with just the breathing alone and imagining the light coming into you and the darkness leaving with your eyes open. You can totally do that. This is a tool that you can do anytime, anywhere. It's very quick. You can teach it to your kids. It's easy. It's effective at bringing you back to the present because again, the present is where power lies. The second tool I have to share with you that has helped me learn to be more present in my life is evening and morning routines. So it's kind of two tools thrown into one, but let me ask you this. What do you do first thing in the morning and right before bed? If you are like most people, including myself until rather recently, you check your phone first thing in the morning and directly before you go to sleep. Until recently, like I said, I did the very same thing. I checked Instagram and email before I fell asleep. Then I felt like I needed to check Instagram or email as soon as my eyes were open, just in case I missed anything vital while I slept. Newsflash, Instagram generally does not make me feel amazing, even though I only follow uplifting accounts. Sometimes it plays on my weaknesses and I'm still learning to use it as a tool for good. Maybe you can relate to that. But I was checking social media before I did anything else in the morning. And as a result, I often felt terrible before even putting my feet on the floor to get out of bed. Not only that, but the last thoughts in my head before falling asleep were whatever social media brought up for me, which oftentimes were filled with comparison and negative emotions. The evening and the morning hours hold enormous power to set the tone for our days and, by extension, our lives. They can be powerfully creative times if we fill them with nourishing thoughts and activities, or they can leave us feeling unfulfilled or stressed if we use them to check in with the world instead of checking in with ourselves and the Lord. If we are trying to be more present, implementing a digital sunrise and a digital sunset 
can be powerful. Basically, that means taking a break from social media and other electronics for a specified amount of time before going to bed, and again, after arising in the morning, and then filling those evening and morning hours while you are away from social media, away from the mind of the world, with activities that feed your soul and connect you to heaven. Last year, I gave this a try. I implemented an hour-long digital sunrise to my morning routine. Rather than grab my phone and look at social media, as soon as my eyes were open in the morning, I got out of bed, I dressed for my daily hike, and instead of listening to a podcast or an audiobook while I hiked, I left my headphones at home, and I used that time to pray and to meditate and to listen for answers. After arriving home, I showered, I ate breakfast, and I did my morning meditation and scripture study before I open up social media and email and whatever else was on my phone. After doing this for a few weeks, I noticed a dramatic difference in the way that I felt. Checking in with God before seeing what the world had to offer me every morning opened the windows of inspiration for me. Praying while hiking instead of listening to podcasts or audiobooks allowed me to forge a powerful connection with God. I heard him so much more clearly on the trail than I did while I was kneeling by my bed. I felt more empowered to do his will because I could hear what he was telling me to do much more clearly. Creating space between myself and the world, especially first thing in the morning when my mind was still fresh, has been life-changing for me. Now, I will be very honest with you. I am still working on creating and implementing a digital sunset. This one has been a little bit more challenging for me because we have a routine in our family that we all gather in the living room and watch a show before we go to bed at night. And that's kind of our way to connect, to relax, to wind down from the day. But even with only a digital sunrise and the routine I've created around it, I have noticed massive positive gains in how I feel. My challenge for you then is to create space in your life away from the world's inputs. Ideally, this is in the evening or the morning hours. These are the bookends of our day. These hold, again, enormous creative power to set the tone for our day and for our lives. And maybe you just pick one or the other to start. Pick a morning routine or an evening routine, create a digital sunrise or a digital sunset, and then create a nourishing routine surrounding that screen-free time. All right, the third tool that I have for you to help you stay more present is called Worry Time and Worry Vacation. Again, this is kind of tool, two tools all bound up together in one. My daughter, as I mentioned before, struggles with a lot of anxiety, and this is a tool that she has learned from her life coach that helps her to stay more grounded and present when anxiety kind of tends to get in the way of her days. So worry time, basically what you do to implement a worry time is to pick a time every day, it's specified beforehand, where you will address your worries, your fears, your anxieties, whatever those are. It could be that you're talking to someone about those worries, fears, anxieties, things that you're stressed about, or it could be a time when you journal or you somehow download to yourself Maybe you do like a, an audio file in your book and you just talk it out or whatever, getting it out of your brain and into the world in some way during that pre-specified 
time. And then the rest of the day, you take a worry vacation. And if worries come up before your planned worry time, then you can set them aside and remind yourself that you're going to come back to those. You're not abandoning them. You're not forgetting about them. You're going to come back to them during your worry time. And so then it frees up space in your brain because you're not worrying about all those things all day long to do other things because you will know again that you will come back and you will address them and get them out of your brain and into the world in some way whether that's talking to other people about them or journaling about them or whatever during that worry time. So worry vacation is actually amazing because you get time away from your worries. You're not abandoning them. You're just going to come back to them. Because anxiety lives in the future, worrying about all the what ifs can be a massive struggle. Those scenarios may or may not happen, but they do not feel any less real. I have learned this from my daughter who very much struggles with this. So the practice of alternating worry time and worry vacation helps her to stay present and grounded in the moment rather than worrying, worried and frantic about all the what ifs. So... Again, let's recap. Emotions of all varieties are part of the human experience, including the uncomfortable ones. But breath control and learning to stay present are tools that we can add to our tool belt that will help us to take better care of ourselves. They can assist us as we learn to manage the trials and the hardships in our lives. They can help us stay emotionally available for ourselves and for the ones that we love. They can help us to connect with the Lord in more meaningful ways. Self-care, when we look at it through this lens, it will never be selfish. It will not be a source of guilt or shame. It will be a source of empowerment and a way for us to become and help others become who God created them to be. Breath and being present is a huge part of self-care. So to that end, your shine challenge for this week, when you feel stressed, anxious, or otherwise not at your best this week, try flipping the switch with a few deep, mindful breaths. Again, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, imagining light coming into your life or into your body when you're breathing in and all of the darkness leaving your body when you exhale. Do that a few times and see what that does for you. And if you want to up the ante a little bit, you can try repeating a mantra while you are doing this flip the switch meditation, such as everything is as it should be, or I love and accept you, fill in the blank with your name. Do that with every inhale and every exhale. Imagine light coming in and darkness leaving and see what that does to your ability to stay grounded and centered and present and focused in your life. And with that, together, let's stand. Thanks for being here, friends. I will see you back here next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at lynetteshepard.com. 
If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.